Welcome to the Fort Hill Community Church Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Fort Hill Community Church. Pastor Aaron here. Welcome to those joining us online as well. Grateful to have you guys here. Um, I know the weather's kind of slick out there from what I understand, so thank you for coming. And um, It's January, right? It's what we signed up for living here, right? Um, so... It is what it is. We are currently in our sermon series for January called Rethink God. Rethink God. And the idea is that as we look forward to our new year, we need to find God in it. Where is God in our new year? That's the, that's the focus of our month of January. Today we're going to talk about the one thing that everybody says they don't have enough of, and that is time. Many of us often lament that we don't have enough time in the day to do the things that we need to do. If only I had more time for this or more time for that. The older that I get, the more I realize that that is a terrible excuse. If only I had more time. It's not that I don't have enough time, it's that I don't use my time well, if I'm being honest. I don't use my time well. Today we're going to see, as we look to God and look to our new year, a lot of our relationship with God and where we are with Him is bound up with our relationship with time and how we use our time. God cares about how we use our time. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, and we're going to see that as followers of Jesus, we are called to redeem our time to purchase our time, to make the most of our time. And we do that by taking an honest, sober assessment of ourselves and how we use our time, and by looking at the outside world and seeing what is out there to compete for our time. And so let's read together Ephesians 5, verse 15, just a short passage, verse 15 and 16, and then we'll parse this out together. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Look carefully, then, How you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Look carefully in how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. This passage comes within a larger chapter of chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to live holy lives. It starts there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And so if you read the chapter, um, it's interesting. God gives us, uh, sorry, Paul gives us this principle of the put on, put off principle. Do this, not this. I think it's interesting the the Bible, you know, we think about, some people think about it's just a, a, a list of things not to do, but that's not really it. There's a lot of things the Bible calls us not to do. But more than that, it tells us to do these things instead of these things. If you keep reading in Ephesians 5, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, but we feel the Holy Spirit. So don't do this. Do this instead. Not of negative commands and positive commands. So it's within this context that God tells us to manage our time, to make the best use of our time. And that's interesting to me. God cares about how you spend your time. God cares about what preoccupies your day. And what preoccupies your day 
is a major part of how you live a holy life. We're called to be imitators of God. How did God spend his time? Have you thought about that? Not that God is bound to time. He's not, you know, checking his watch, right? He doesn't need a, a stopwatch or a, a wristwatch or anything like that. But what did God spend his time doing? Creating, redeeming, resting, saving, in relationship with himself within the Trinity. How we spend our time impacts the type of lives that we spend, uh, that we live before God, our relationship with time. And that brings us to the first point. This is the major point. We are called to redeem our time. Redeem our time. And let me just preface this. This type of message is really going to ask you to soberly assess how do you spend your day? How do you spend your week? How do you spend your month? What are the things that you give yourself to? And it might make you feel a little bad, to be honest. I know it makes me feel bad as I kind of go through my day and think, well, how much time did I waste today? How much time was on my computer today? How much time was on my phone today? As followers of Jesus, we're called to redeem the time. Our passage here in verse 15 says this, Make the best use of the time. Make the best use of the time. In the original language, that phrase, make the best use, is, is one word. And that word is exagorazo. Exagorazo. I'm not, a, I'm not a, um, a scholar on the original language. That's just what I you know, looked up. It has the idea of purchasing something or redeeming something. That there's a value transaction that we are literally spending our time. And that's kind of how we talk about time, as if it's money. How did you spend your day? Did you make the most of your time? Etc. That that type of thing. Time well spent. We talk about time as if we're talking about money, and that's reflected in how the Apostle Paul talks about time. And I think that's a really good way to think about it. Every single day, you wake up with a dollar with a wallet filled with 24 individual hour bills. And every single hour, you put one bill on the table, and the question is, what are you getting in return? It's the only thing that you have to spend. You don't have to spend the money in your bank account, believe it or not, right? You don't have to go, you don't have to go and eat out. Yesterday was a great example. I was running late. I had to go to um, Sam's in town, and I only wanted to go to Hannaford. I had to go to Sam's. I was out around 6 o'clock. I was like, you know what? I'll just go to Taco Bell and get some food, you know? Did I need to do that? No. <laughs> Did I do that? Yes. I spent my money. I didn't have to. You have to spend your time. Every hour, you have to go into the wallet and take that hour bill out and lay it on the table. And the question is, what are you getting in return for your hour? What are you getting in return for that hour? You do not have the choice but to spend it. Given this reality, God calls us as his followers to be a people that redeem the time, that spend our money well. The other day, I was uh, looking through our fridge at the house. Since we've moved, our new fridge is actually a little bit smaller than the fridge that we had in our apartment. And so we just have food stacked on top of each other. I'm sure if you've had that experience in the past, where you just lose things in your fridge. you got to like take out the whole shelf to get to the thing in the back and then put the food back, right? 
So I was digging through, and I find this thing of cottage cheese. And I don't know if, about you guys. I like cottage cheese. It doesn't make me throw up. Some people don't like cottage cheese, okay? I like cottage cheese. I'm like, great, unopened cottage cheese. I just find it. I pull it out. I'm looking at it. I'm about to open it up. It expired two months ago. Two months ago, the cottage cheese expired. I didn't even realize it, that, I, that we had this, you know, this cottage cheese. And so what do you do with expired cottage cheese? I ate it, just as anyone would do. I'm just kidding. I did not eat it. <laughs> I, did, I did not eat the smell test. I didn't eat the cottage cheese. I threw it away. I, I threw the cottage cheese away because that's what you're going to do. And it doesn't feel good to waste food, right? That's literally throwing the $4 or the, however much cottage cheese is. is probably $20 with inflation and all that, right? It doesn't feel good to waste food. It doesn't feel good to waste money. Do you have the same response whenever you waste your time? Do you have the same response whenever you throw your time away? This is the perspective that the Bible brings to us about our time, that we are called to redeem the time. God, God's expectation is that we use our time in a way that imitates Him. I think it's very interesting. Again, how does God spend His time? Well, if we look to Genesis, we see He spends His time creating things. He spends His time resting in proportion to the work that He did. Okay, It's not like your work, work, work. That's not right. You need to spend time resting, spend time creating, spend time working. He spent his time redeeming, saving. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we were created for the, in the foundation of the world for good works that God created us for. God has given us things that he expects of us, and how we make the most of every opportunity, make the best use of the time, impacts the type of lives that we live. We're called to redeem the time. and So that's just setting up the principle here. How do you spend your time? Now, call to redeem the time. Call to use that wallet with those individual hour bills wisely. How do we actually do that? How do you know if you're redeeming the time? How do you know if you're making a good purchase there? Well, this passage gives us the answer. We're called to do two things. The first thing we're called to do is to look inside. Look inside ourselves. And the second thing we're called to do is to look outside. Look at the world outside. So let's start the first part there, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. First scripture calls us to soberly assess how we spend our time. And this is where I mentioned earlier, you've got to kind of be ruthless with yourself and really think about these things. Do you work too much? Do you work too little? Is it not necessarily not a necessarily nine to five job? But are you busy too much or too little? Do you rest too much? Do you rest too little? In the Old Testament, people that did not observe the Sabbath were stoned. Right? That was it. If you broke the Sabbath, watch out. I hope you have a hard hat, right? Do you not rest enough? Because that is a, an offense to God, because God rested, right? He rested, and He wants us to rest. How do you spend your time? How much TV do you watch? 
How long do you spend on your computer? How long do you spend on your phone? On your tablet? How much time do you spend on social media? Good questions. And this is the key. This is why it's important. What are you not doing because you're doing these things? What are you not doing because you're doing these things? I think about myself. I don't have time to get into God's Word. That is a lie. That's the biggest lie we could ever tell ourselves, right? It's just not true. How often do I find myself on my computer, on Facebook, that type of thing? Is my use of time wise or is it unwise? Because foolish use of time is dire consequences. This is what it says, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Too much laziness, right? Is it a bad thing to rest? No. Again, God rests on the seventh day, commands us to rest, all that good stuff. But laziness leads to poverty. Particularly for those who make excuses for their laziness, as the text implies. I need to do this. Oh, I need to get a little sleep. Something else happens. Oh, I need to get a little slumber. A third thing comes up that I need to do. Oh, I, I'm just going to not do that. I'm just going to fold my hands and rest. It's like whenever I ask Abe to help me take out the trash, right? I'm tired. I'm tired. With Ellie, it's just to eat lunch. She doesn't want to eat food. I'm too tired to eat my macaroni, right? I'm too tired to eat my meal. It's not that you're tired. You just don't want to spend time doing something that's harder than the thing that you're doing right now. It leads to dire consequences. They describe it as an armed man. It's harder to deal with this thing you know you need to do if you're prone to laziness. It's not that the thing is so difficult itself, but it's more difficult for you because you're foolish. And your use of time is foolish. We're called to spend our time wisely. How do we do that? What's the key to having this wise view of time? Well, this is what we get from Moses. Psalm 90, verse 12, says this. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is found whenever we realize that our time is short, that our time is fixed, that it eventually runs out, some sooner than others. That's why... I sell life insurance to people, right? Because you don't know whenever your time is up. You have no idea whenever that clock strikes zero. I've often thought about this. What if there was some you know, magical countdown clock that we could tap into that would tell us when the next time something was going to happen? That would tell us, I am 30 years, 4 months, 12 days, and three hours away from my death, right? Constantly counting down. We don't have that. That doesn't exist. It doesn't happen for us. I bet you if you did have that, you'd probably live your life a little bit differently. And so what Moses is saying is that wisdom is found whenever you understand that you don't really have as much time as you think you have. I've had conversations with people, mostly down south, not as much up here, 
that talk about getting right with God, right? And they say, well, I'm just going to kind of live my life. I remember I had this conversation with a younger guy. I'm just going to have just kind of live my life the way I want to, essentially sin as much as I want. And then whenever I'm like 40 or 45, whenever I'm kind of bored with that stuff, then I'll come to church and kind of get my act together, right? That's foolishness. And not even because the guy might die before he's 40 or 45. That's just silly on the face of it, right? If there's a God out there that says, hey, you're destroying your life by running after these things, you need to give your time to these things instead. And I'm like, you know what? I really like these things, though. So I'm going to kind of do this, and then I'll get my act together. No, you won't, because you're a fool. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You don't really, for me, I don't, I haven't realized just how short time is and, until I had my kids. And then you see them, like one minute you're bringing them home from the hospital, and the next minute they're like, you know, causing a mess, right? Like I remember Ellie was like one, and I was in Walmart, and I saw this these onesie pajamas for like, a four-year-old, and they were huge. The pajamas were huge. I was like, no way Ellie's going to fit into something like that. That's not going to happen, right? And now she does. I'm like, what happened? Right? And I just started. You, you guys got me beat, right? I am probably have the youngest kids in here, right? Yeah, I do. I have the youngest kids in here. You guys got me beat. It just disappears. There's a um, very uh, close friend with, with folks in this in this room right right now on hospice, right? A, a young, she's 40, 42, 42-year-old 42 mom, right? And and uh, on hospice right now, and, you know, kids and all that. You just, you don't know. You don't know how short your time is running around, spending our time on things that do not matter. And so Moses says, hey, look at yourself. Look at the calendar. You don't know whenever that X is on that date when you're not here anymore. Don't waste your time. And if you number your days, if you calendar your days, you get a heart of wisdom. Some of you guys have gone through things where you understand that it's, you're living on borrowed time, right? <laughs> You've had that brush there, and you know it's all a gift. James tells us that life is a vapor. It's here for a little bit, and then gone quickly. So if this is true, why are you wasting your time on things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things? We live lives of wisdom whenever we understand the fleeting nature of life and the fleeting nature of time. And then look carefully at our own lives and ask ourselves, is this time spent wisely or foolishly? For me and Hannah, and you know, you parents know, you get the kids down, you're like, yes, all right, I made it through the day. I can breathe, right? The kids go down. I can, like, just kind of veg out. And that's what we would do. We would basically veg out. Hannah would be on her phone. I'd be on my computer. The TV would be on. We're not watching it, right? We're doing other things. Just kind of zombie out for a couple of hours. Now, is that the best use of our time? Is that the best use of our time? No, it's not. It was not the best use of our time. I don't think it's bad to just kind of rest like that. But there's a lot of ways I can rest with my wife that's better than just being on social media. Okay? We get the kids down. 
let's be together now, me and you, okay? And so what's the better use of your time? Am I imitating God here or not? Am I imitating God here or not? And so what we've decided to do is to do our five-day Bible reading challenge together. We read the text together. We read it out loud. This is what we've been doing the past, you know, the past week. You know what? It's been really good. We're getting in the Bible together a lot more than we used to. We're praying together, and it's easy. It's like 30 minutes. 30 minutes. We've got like two hours of downtime at the end of the day. We need to redeem the time. And so that took us looking at ourselves and being like, you know what? We're not really hitting the mark here. We're acting foolishly. It requires us to look inside, to soberly judge ourselves, and to make changes to redeem the time. That's the first thing. So, redeem the time, spend your time wisely, look at yourself, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, got that. But then we need to look someplace else. And that's where we see Paul telling us to look outside. We redeem our time by looking outside. This is what it says at the end of verse 16, or in verse 16. It says, Make the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. Now that sounds sort of like a weird way to end that verse, right? You need to use your time wisely because you live in evil times. Why does he say that? Sort of a downer note. But he's making the point that holy and wise living, proper use of time, is not easy nor straightforward whenever you understand the context that you are in, whenever you understand the fallenness of this world. We need to soberly judge ourselves as God's people, but also the times that we live in and the temptations that come as God's people in this time, the influences that abound in this world that we live in today, temptations and influences that compete for our attention, that compete for our time, that influences our minds, our souls, our lives. Jesus rebuked the people of his day for not understanding the times that they were in. This is what it says in Luke chapter 12, verse 54. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? They could predict the weather. They could interpret successfully things physical, external, but they could not diagnose the spiritual condition of their age and the temptations that come with that and the influences that come with that. In their context, they did not understand the arrival of the kingdom of God in their midst, which is crazy because God spent like, this entire part of the Bible to say, hey, this is what it looks like. Baby in a manger, Bethlehem, son of David, out of Egypt, in Nazareth, all this stuff, they didn't get it. Hypocrites. You can tell whenever it's going to rain, but you don't know whenever the Son of God is coming. 
it takes different eyes to see. That's what I'm saying. To interpret the spiritual condition of the age and the temptations and influences that come with that, that's competing for your time, it takes different lenses. It takes spiritual lenses that come from God's Word. We often don't realize how the things we give our time to shapes us and impacts us and affects us. We live in an age that's in constant competition for your eyeballs. Constant competition for your eyeballs, specifically, okay? He just talks about that, what you sort of take in through your eyeballs, right? It comes down to your heart, right? Whether it be TV ads, link clicks, pictures posted like this, love that. All this content is created specifically for engagement, okay? These people are smart. They are very smart, like with our Facebook live feed, whenever it's done, it comes up, it tells me the number of people that watch for 10 seconds, the number of people that watch for one minute, the average watch time, the peak viewership, the average viewership, data, 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 data that I get just from a, a live stream. Any post that I put up for the church, right? And I'm not even into that stuff. I just click out of it. But that's what they do because they want you to watch. They want your eyeballs, that you would engage, that you would look, click, read, engage. They're competing for your time. Let me read this. This is crazy. All right, 2017, this is an interview with Sean Parker. You might not know who Sean Parker is, but you probably know who Mark Zuckerberg is. Sean Parker was the first president of Facebook before it like blew up, okay? So he's talking with Axios, which is a, uh, like a news conglomerate type thing. And this is what he says, talking about Facebook. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, so what they were thinking, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. It was the president of Facebook. What we were thinking about was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means we need to give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while. So brain, right? Reward. Because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever and that's going to get you to contribute more content, and that's going to get you more likes. It's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the type of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you are exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. That is what the president of Facebook said about their motivations for building Facebook. And if it's Facebook, you just extrapolate it out. Twitter, Instagram... Whatever. Earlier in the interview says this, God only knows what it is doing to our children's brains. God only knows. So the president that, cre that you know, was a part of it, creating it, doesn't even know how it affects our kids. Think about it. We are a generation, even myself, I'm the tail end of the generation that didn't grow up with a phone with access to the internet in your pocket. 
that came out whenever I was like 20. I remember um, watching, I had an ESPN app on my phone and being able to watch highlights right on my phone. I remember that for the first time. I was in the basement of the church in Augusta that I was at. And I was thinking, this is dangerous, right? This is dangerous because I can like do everything. I was watching college football on my phone because I didn't have cable. I figured it out. This is dangerous, right? Our generation didn't grow up with that in their pockets. Kids today grow up with that in their pockets. How does that affect them, right? How does that shape them? Understanding it's created to consume their time and to consume your time, and then the Apostle Paul says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, is it evil to watch a YouTube video? No, it's not. But if that's what you spend all of your time doing, right? Is that what you spend all your time doing? You need to recognize the things that you engage with, you spend time on how it shapes you, how it changes you. I know for myself, whenever I spend time on Facebook, I just feel kind of like I need to take a, a bath afterwards, right? I just feel kind of worldly, my, and I think different, because I can't control... I mean, you can unfriend people, but there's stuff that just pops up. I get ads for stuff that's obscene, and it's just there, right? And then you hit, you know, hide ad, and then there's a million more that come, right? What are you giving your time to? Like Abram, he likes to watch these silly shows where these kids do these extreme challenges of, you know, getting buried or going through a, um, going through a drive-through a thousand times. Just silly stuff, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's silly. They're just doing these things, right? That's not bad, amusing. But if that's all he does, how does that shape him? How does that shape him? Because these guys make those videos because they want people to watch. My kids like to watch videos of other kids playing. My kids like to do that, right? No, it's not bad. But wouldn't it be better if my kids just played, right? Wouldn't it be better if they just played? It's weird. They just jump on the couch. We want to watch Ryan. We want to watch all this stuff. Why don't my kids just play? What's better for them? What's better for them? Okay? Again, not bad, but it can be. Interpret the time. Interpret the time. What you give your time to shapes you into the type of person that lives a certain type of life, how you spend your time, okay, and a lot of times we spend our time doing things in the grand scheme of things do not matter. Since 2007, the suicide rate in young girls has nearly tripled. Says 10 to 14 year olds. Many experts believe social media is the big reason for this increase. There's a lot of data on this. Anxiety, depression, suicide, boys and girls. just jumps up after... Facebook changes that you don't have to be in college to have an account anymore. You know, iPhones, all that just jumps way up. Jumps way up. Since COVID, two years, come on two years, the rate of anxiety and depression has gone up 25% worldwide. What are we getting? What are we putting in ourselves, right? What are we taking in all day? Even if you're, if you think, you know, COVID, we're all going to die from COVID or you think it's like the, the, just a common cold, what are you bringing in? Okay, I remember early on, whenever we didn't know up from down from COVID, like March or so, we're all locked down. I was having trouble breathing. 
I was having literally. I was I wasn't having a panic a panic attack, but I was very short of breath. I was list. I realized I was listening to the news too much, too much. I was not abiding in Jesus. I was spending very little time in God's Word and too much time in the news of the world, and it was affecting me. It was shaping me. It was changing me. And then Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." I wasn't experiencing that rest. I was taking in the wrong thing. Again, you got to remember, interpret the times. So if you, if we are going to redeem our time, we need to understand our time. One, we need to understand the concept that I am responsible to God for my time. We need to look at ourselves, understand how I'm spending my time, and then look at the world around us. Because of the times we are in, I think that means we need to guard our time. I've said this before, I think it's true. We live in an age of distraction. And this is how Satan, I think, works on most people, is he just distracts us from what really matters, from what is going to truly satisfy us. We have to guard ourselves. You know what I do? I've installed an app on my computer. I spend a lot of time on my computer just with work and church and all that. And it locks me out of certain websites. I go in, click a button, I say four hours of work time, click start. If I try to go to Facebook, if I try to go to email, go someplace else, it won't let me go there. I'm locked out. i got to guard myself. I don't have enough self-control. And it's good to admit that. Your phone, right? If you're trying to do quiet time, you're trying to pray, put your phone someplace else. Get rid of it. It doesn't exist. Turn it on, turn it on silent. Turn it off. Get it out of there. Because Satan's trying to distract me from what matters. He's trying to distract and steal my time. Trying to steal my time. Let me describe how God, or just read how God describes his word in Psalm 19. And just compare this to the other things we give our time to. Okay, let me just read this for you. Starting verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So that's the construction. This is God's word. This is what it does. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So David is saying, this is God's word. This is what it does. It revives your soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices your heart. It opens and enlightens your eyes. It endures forever. It makes you righteous. He goes on. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. At the Freiburg Fair, me and Abram just went through one of those, those um, boutique you know, food uh, buildings right at uh, in October, and I bought a honeycomb. I don't know if you guys have ever just put a chunk of honeycomb in your mouth. It's incredible. It's like the most amazing experience ever, right? And we just did it on a whim. We're like, "What? This is awesome!" And you spit the wax out. It's incredible. God says His word is better than that, sweeter than that. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. God says this about His word, and I'm on Facebook. Right? I sit down to breakfast, and what's the first thing I do? 
this? No. Right? That's me. Now you can interpret your own time. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Tell me all the things that you spend your time on before you spend time in God's Word. Again, this isn't to make you feel bad about yourself. It's to soberly think about our time. Myself being the first offender. God's Word hasn't changed. It's still good. It's still just as sweet. It's just as desirable. It leads to blessing. It leads to life. Reviving, rejoicing, making us wise. The issue is us. We are far too satisfied with far too little. We have to redeem our time. And so as we are looking forward to this year and rethinking God and rethinking the place of God in our lives, we need to think about our time. I'm reminded of Jesus' words at the beginning of the gospel. It says, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe right now. Do it. It's an urgent request. It's an urgent proclamation, an urgent declaration. It's an urgent message. And if you believe this is true, then you understand the consequences of wasting your time. It's too short. You don't have enough of it. You don't know. There's not much of it. The message of Jesus is urgent. We have to redeem it. We have to believe that. We have to look at ourselves, look at the world, guard ourselves, raise our kids, connect with our spouses, prioritize what's important, redeem the time, and see how God changes us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for your word that comes in like a wrecking ball and just kind of knocks us out. And the, the deal is, Lord, if we didn't have this word, we wouldn't know this. Lord, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be confronted with realities that exist beyond the physical. Just like Jesus said, you can tell when it's going to snow, it's going to rain, all that stuff, but you can't interpret the time. Your word comes, and it shows us, it lays bare the time. And so as people, Lord who are learning to number their days, I pray that we would be wise individually. And when we come here on a Sunday morning, and that's a huge part of, of redeeming the time, redeeming the week. That's a massive part of it, Lord. But our lives are more than Sunday mornings, a lot more than Sunday mornings, just a couple of hours, Lord, during the week. Help us to redeem our time. Help us to honestly, soberly assess ourselves, a lot of these things that we've talked about today aren't necessarily bad things, but we know what's in them. We know what can happen, and we see that played out in statistics in this world. Lord, help us as parents, as a parent, Lord. Help me to think about that with my kids. Because I don't want to them to be impacted in such a way by the world. I want them to redeem the time. And I have a responsibility as their parent to lead them to do that. What does that mean for me? I know for myself it starts with you. As we talked about last week, it starts with abiding in Jesus, spending time with Him. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Help me to abide in Him, and then from that, Lord, I'm going to be thinking, acting, doing differently, walking in wisdom. I pray that for all of us, Lord. I pray that for our families, for our, our marriages, Lord. Pursuing with our spouse what is important. For us, with different 
circumstances in that regard, Lord. I, I pray that we would give ourselves to you. The Apostle Paul, Lord, a man just intent on using every, squeezing every ounce of glory for your name out of his life, taking every thought captive, everything, nothing wasted for your glory, Lord. What does that look like for me? I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus, Lord. Though I sit idly folding my hands, Lord, you are not disappointed in me because you look up from your heaven and look down at me and even in my sin and brokenness, you see Jesus' perfection there who made the most of his time, Lord, in three years of ministry, culminating on the cross, dying in our place, resurrecting from the dead, that there was a time where people were far away, but now they've been brought near, that we live at the end of it. We live in evil days, but we know the umbrella over that is an age of salvation. Help us to live in that time with that mind, with that purpose in our hearts, Lord, on our tongues, in our minds. We thank you for the truth of that. We pray that power for our church, for this community. We love you, Lord. We thank you that we're not doing this alone, that you make known to us the path of life, as it says in Psalm 16. You have revealed that to us. Thank you for that, Lord. We love you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning at Fort Hill Community Church in Gorham, Maine. For more information about Pastor Aaron or Fort Hill Community Church, visit us on Facebook or check out our website at www.forthillchurch.com.